0: Hey everybody, it's Matt. Welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you can automatically get our weekly episodes. And you might want to go ahead and subscribe to our Journey YouTube channel as well. You'll find messages, music, interviews, inspiring stories, and more for you all right there. Now, I hope this episode helps you take your next step in following Jesus. Today, we are wrapping up this little series we've been in called Love Where You Live, and the distinction about this series, I think, is important to understand is all of us love things about where we live. I mean, you can name all kinds of stuff about, you know, our communities that you really love, but this isn't about that. This is about loving the people where we live, and not just any kind of people, uh, not just the people who are like us. That's easy. Anybody can love the people who are like us, who think like us, behave like us, believe like us, vote like us, you know, whatever. We tend to gravitate towards people who are like us. That's fine this isn't even about loving people who like us. Uh, This is about a much higher bar that if you're not a Christian or Jesus follower, just, you know, coming back, trying to figure this out, this lucky for you, this doesn't apply to you because this bar is feels sky high. I mean, Jesus showed up and he said, okay, for those of you who follow me, here is the bar. Here's the standard. I want you to love one another the way I have loved you. And the way Jesus loved them and the way Jesus loves us is entirely different than what's normal for us. It is a the kind of love that looks at people who don't like us and don't love us and maybe don't have anything in common with us. And Jesus demonstrated what it looked like to love them anyway with an unconditional, selfless, I'm going to put you first. Yeah, but you're going to take advantage of me. I know it doesn't matter. I'm still going to put you first. I'm going to have an other centered kind of love for you. That is the kind of love that Jesus has invited those of us who follow him to emulate, to model, and to live out. And that's certainly not easy. Now that is in in one respect, that's the kind of person we all want to be. And I say in one respect, because we all want to be that until it reaches a point where it feels like it's extreme, and then we back off and say no, you know, if it's gonna cost us too much. But all of us to some extent wanna be known as that kind of person, the kind of person who puts others before ourselves and, you know, who loves others and shows up for others and cares about others. Well I want to be known as that. But it's challenging to be that. It's really hard to be that. And part of the reason it's hard to be that is because it's just wired into you and into me and our nature to assume that everything is about me. You know, you assume everything is about you. And so to live the kind of life where you actually put other people first uh, before yourself and you love them that way consistently, well, that doesn't come naturally. And therefore, there's this tension that we feel of, yeah, but it's for me. You know, I got this. It's about me. And once I take care of me, then I help them. And Jesus goes, no, no, no. If you're going to follow me, it has to be reversed. It actually has to be who you are. That you just you put others before yourself all the time. So there's that tension that we feel. And the other tension we feel, if we're being really honest, even those of us who follow Jesus are like, okay, well, it seems a little extreme because I feel like there's just no payoff for me, you know? It's like if I actually do that, I think things are going to turn out worse for me, not better. I think I'm going to be taken advantage of. I have to say no to me a whole lot. So again, I would rather say yes to me, and then when I get me taken care of, then I'm going to focus on you, but that is not what Jesus modeled and introduced to us, is it? So, uh, what we're gonna talk about today is simply this. If, and that's a big if, but if you actually want to be someone who follows Jesus and lives the life Jesus invited us to live, then how do you become the kind of person who consistently and eventually naturally puts others before yourself? And I want to circle back, and if you weren't here last week, I'll catch you up real quick. I want to circle back to something we looked at last week, to a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this young guy named Timothy, who he was mentoring. Timothy was pastoring this uh, church in Ephesus. And so Paul gives Timothy some advice to give to the Ephesian people about, all right, if loving like Jesus is the one command, the one rule we've all got to live up to, well, Timothy, you've got to teach them how to do that, because again, it's just, it's just not natural for us. And so he talks about some temptations that we'll drift into if we're not careful, but then what we're going to focus today is he gives us two habits to practice to actually get to the point that we can live the life that we want to live. And hold on, because at the very end, he says, Paul says, there's actually a really unique payoff for people who choose to do this. So we're just going to jump in where we left off last week. Here's what Paul wrote to Timothy. He said, command those who are rich in this present world. And just as a reminder, if you're new here... Uh, in the first century, rich didn't mean what rich means today. Rich just means you have a little bit of extra, okay? You got more than enough. And all of us in this room, my guess is we've all got a little bit of extra. We got a little extra house. You know, we got a little extra space. We've got extra food. We've called leftovers. We have extra clothes. This is why you go into your closet and it's full and you're like, I have nothing to wear. Because you have extra, right? So all of us have a little bit of extra. This is us. So don't don't get hung up on rich. But Paul's deal to Timothy is you command those people in your church, who have a little bit of extra, so he's talking to all of us, not to be arrogant, which we all think, well, no, 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 I'm not the kind of person who thinks I'm better than other people because of what I have, but that's not actually what Paul's talking about here. What Paul is talking about is this tendency we all have when we get extra to start to feeling independent, and when you don't have any extra, you're totally dependent on God, and it's easy to be dependent on God, But the more extra you get, the more independence you begin to feel. Because we're all chasing that, right? It's autonomy. It's the American dream. I'm going to do what I want, when I want, with who I want. I don't want anybody to have to tell me what to do. I just want to have the freedom, you know, to go where I want to go and do what I want to do. Got enough money to pay for it. That's what we're all chasing. And that's not a bad thing. But if you're not careful, the more independence or autonomy you get, the less dependent you become on God. And independence will then distance you from God and distance you. From other people. That's what he's referring to. So he's saying, all right, you you tell all those people who have extra not to be arrogant, nor he says, to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And again, we do this and we don't even realize we do it. But it is easy the more we have to put our confidence in what we have. I mean, the more I've got, well, the more I'm planning and the more I've got for contingencies, and I got that covered. If that happens, I'm gonna be good. So the more we have. The more we begin to put our hope in what we have instead of the one who gave it to us, the more we put our hope in what we can tangibly hold, because it's a lot easier to put hope in something you can see versus something that's unseen. So Paul says, you got to tell them to be careful, because when they get extra, they'll start hoping in what they have, even though what what they have and what they can see is really uncertain. You could lose it at any point. And he gives an alternative for all of us. He says, instead, why don't you encourage them to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, I want to pause here because I don't want you to miss this last line because there's something in us sometimes, at least in some of us, that when you have extra and you see other people who don't have extra, you think, well, that's odd, but I got my extra because I worked so hard for it. I got my extra because I made better decisions. I got my extra because, you know, I've, I've earned it. I deserve it. But I could take all of us to different places in the world, and some of you know this, you've had this experience. I could take you to different places in the world, and you would find people who work harder than us, who are smarter than us, who probably deserve things more than we deserve things, and they don't have half of what we have. Now, why do they not have it and we have it? Well, that's a conversation for another day. I don't know that any of us have the answer to that. Part of it's just where we live and, you know, the way we've been blessed. But Paul's point is, you need to decide... Who's the source of everything you have? If you think it's you, then you're going to treat everything you have like you're an owner, which means you're going to fall into these temptations. If, if you actually believe, yeah, you had to work hard and you had to make good decisions, but if you believe everything you have is from God, well, one, you shouldn't feel guilty about what you have. He provided it to you for your enjoyment. But two, But two, you ought to view yourself as a manager, not an owner. Of everything you have. Now, the reason I think Paul brings this up is because he's about to give those of us who follow Jesus two different habits to practice. Habits that will shape who we are until we become more like Jesus. But I'm just telling you the two habits he's about to give if you view everything you have as if you're the owner of it, these will make no sense whatsoever. But if you view the, yourself as a manager, then it might make sense to adopt these habits. So the first one is this. He says, I want you to command them to do good, but not like ordinary average people do good. Like only people who have extra can do good. He says, I want you to command them to do good to be rich in good deeds. Now, here's the distinction Paul is making. Every single one of us here, we all do good. I know you do. You do good. You know, all of us, everybody I've ever met has done good at some point in their life. So you do good deeds from time to time. But that's not what Paul is talking about. Paul saying, Timothy... You've got to help the people who are part of your church, who have a little bit of extra, move from being people who do good deeds, it's what they do, to being people who serve others. It's who they are. To move from, well, I did that good deed, so I'm okay, and I help them, but it's random, it's sporadic. You've got to help them move to where who they are is a servant, just like Jesus. You've got to help them move until... Who they are is just natural for them to always consistently put others before themselves. Every day, it's not like they're looking for an opportunity or somebody says, hey, could you help them? And they do it. No, no, no. They just see the opportunities to put others for themselves. It's what they do more times than not. And because of that, they become rich in good deeds. Because again, it's their identity. It's who they are. It is not what they do. These two are very, very different. And Paul knew the way that you become that kind of person over time... It's through habits. Now, you get this because your entire life is a sum total of the habits that you have. We all understand this. We make our habits. We choose our habits. We form our habits, and then they form us, don't they? They make us. They shape us. You've got all kinds of habits in your life. You've got eating habits, and maybe good or bad, but you have eating habits. You have exercise habits. It's do or do not, but you have an exercise habit, right? We all have those kinds of habits. you got habits every morning when you wake up. You do the same thing over and over, don't you? You do. you got a certain set of habits, right? You have habits at work. you got habits at school. All of us have habits, and those habits actually have formed and shaped who we are and the life that we have. So this is why Paul brings this up. He's going, okay. For those of us who follow Jesus, if we actually want to become like him, if we actually want to be people who love where we live in such a way that we consistently put others before ourselves, well, that's just not going to happen overnight. You've got to develop some habits that help you get there. And one of the habits is I've got to figure out how to put a habit in my life where I consistently serve other people, where I consistently am in a position where I'm reminded, oh, put others before myself, put others before myself you got to have a habit to practice over and over and over again. So I bring this up because my question for you would be, do you have that? Do you have a habit? Can you point to a habit and go, that is a habit where I know I show up every week and I spend a little bit of time putting others before myself and it's consistent. And no, it's not going to automatically change me into, you know, more like Jesus and having a servant's heart. But it's a start and it's a step and over time. It begins to shape me. Do you have that? If you do not, why not? If you do not, why not? If you're a follower of Jesus and if you're not, I mean, you still have a good heart and you want to help people and that's good. And a lot of you do great things serving. But if you're a follower of Jesus, how can we follow a leader who said, I came to not to be served, but to serve? How can we become more like him if we don't have a habit of putting other people before ourselves, of serving? It's pretty easy to do. If you don't have that, here's what I would recommend. I would invite you to reach out to one of the nonprofits in our community. You can pick any one of them. There are a lot of great ones. And I guarantee you, if you call them and you say, hey, I would like to give an hour of my time every week, one hour out of my 168 hours, you know, I'm going to give an hour of my time every week to help y'all. Could you use some help? They will say, yes, absolutely. You will not have any problem finding time to do that. If you don't want to do it there, you can do it here. Now, a lot of you do it here and you're phenomenal. they are I don't know, close to 300 of you who serve here regularly. You serve, you know, in all kinds of areas and in all kinds of ways during the week and here on Sunday. And the thing that I have noticed in conversations over the years with people and in my own life is you think you get involved serving because it's going to help somebody else. And what you realize is over time, it actually changes you as much as it changes somebody else. And if you don't have a habit of serving here, you get this, you know this, because I guess talk this quite often and they will mention this they'll say oh my gosh you know from the time I drove in people were so helpful they were so friendly you know it's like people are serving in the parking lot and in the atrium and you know getting coffee and everything and people serve you in here and people are serving the kids over there they're so amazing at it and they can tell oh I walk in and it's about me they care about me they're putting me before themselves so those of you who serve here you do a phenomenal job of that if you don't serve here you've experienced that but what you may miss is the impact that it makes on you personally when you develop the habit to serve somebody else. So if you don't have that habit, you ought to think about, where can I put that in my life? Only if you want, you know, if you're a follower of Jesus, only if you want to become more like him, only if you want to get and experience the life that he has for you, and if you don't care about that, make it about you. But otherwise, you got to have a habit, because hoping is not going to change you, and, you know, sporadically serving and doing good is not going to change your heart. You have to have a habit. So find a nonprofit or you know, serve here. You can scan the QR code and click Explore Serving. We'll help you find something you love to do with people you like. If you love young kids, I mean, we need adults in our preschool area right now because it's growing pretty fast. So that'd be a great spot for you. you. Just wherever it needs to be. Just find a place and say, okay, when I'm when I'm here, when I'm in town, you know, when I'm available, I'll just I'm going to carve out a little bit of time to focus on somebody else and see how it might change me. So that's the first thing Paul says, Timothy, you got to tell them with their extra time, they need to do more. They need to do more. And then he goes on, he says this, here's the second habit. He says, also tell them with their extra. They need to be generous and they need to be willing to share. And again, this is not generosity like normal people are generous because every single one of us, we're generous at times. You know, it's what we do. It's it's sporadic maybe, it's spontaneous, but we're generous, we'll help people out. And this time of year especially, right, so many nonprofits are having events and doing things and you hear a story and it kind of tugs on your heart, so you, you know, give some money or you, know, you go to this event and they're raising, it's like a good cause, so you give some money. Like all of us do this from time to time, but again, this, Paul's not talking to normal people. He said, no, 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 I don't want generosity giving to be what you do every now and then. I want generosity to be who you are. Because, again, our leader said, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life away. I mean, God modeled extraordinary, no-strings-attached generosity to all of us. So he's going, all right, if you're going to enter into and experience the life that God has for you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you cannot actually follow him and go where he's going unless you have a heart of serving and you got a heart of generosity, now, anytime I talk about this, this is the most personal one, right? And everybody gets that. Because anytime I talk about this, I've had a lot of conversations over the years with people. I'm not trying to get money out of them. They just, for whatever reason, want to talk to me about this. And they, one of two um, reasons usually comes up as to why, oh, I can't have a habit of generosity. In other words, by habit, I mean you just got to plan. Like every time you get paid, you're going to focus on other people for yourself. And you're going to give a percentage of what you get paid away. that it's like I can't do that and part of the reason they say they can't do it is I hear quite often I just can't afford to do that you know and I get that No, I don't know that many of us feel like we can afford to do that but here's what I would get you to consider if you're sitting there thinking I actually can't give a percentage away of everything every time I'm paid I can't do that first I can't afford it here's what I'll get you to consider Um, whenever there's something you really want there's a trip you really want to go on there's something you really want to buy I mean like not the passing stuff okay but you really, really want it. Whenever there's something big you really want and you don't feel like you can afford it, what do you do? Well, you do one two things. If you're somewhat responsible, you sit down and you get incredibly creative. You actually spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out how you can rearrange your life to free up enough cash to afford the thing that you most want or that you most want to do. This is what you do. And it's like, maybe I can cut cost here, or maybe I can, you know, stop saving for that and start, you know, it's whatever it is. But you get really creative. You sp- think about how much time you spend working numbers. This is those of you who are responsible. Working numbers trying to figure out how you can afford to do the thing that you most want to do. Now, for those of you who are um, slightly less responsible will say, you don't waste all your time doing that. You just put it on a credit card, and you'll figure out how to pay for it later, right? That's, that's the American way. So anyway, we, whenever there's something we want... We don't let it keep us from getting it. We just work really hard to figure out how to do it, put a lot of time into it. Now, again, this is just for us Jesus followers. But if we actually believed that to follow Jesus and to become like him meant we had to have not one-off, I give, I give, I give, but we had to have a heart of generosity, then why wouldn't we put the same amount of time into figuring out how to make generosity the top priority with our money Instead of just saying, "Well, oh, I can't afford it, and just moving on. It's moving on. Well, the reality is, and I'll just say it for all of us because I'm like you, the reality is we think, I don't think that's going to work out. I don't even see what the point of that is, you know? I don't, I don't want to have to go through all the, the hassle and the trouble and the pain to use my money for somebody else before I use it on me, and I'll do it backwards. I'll use it on me, and when I have a little extra, I'll use it to help somebody else. But thank goodness Jesus did not do that to us, Right? The other reason that I hear sometimes, and I get this one too, oh, this, this one you know, can come and go at times, but the other thing that I hear people say sometimes is not only I, I can't afford it, but they'll say, well, I just, I don't trust those people, so I'm not going to give them my money. You know, and usually this is a conversation around nonprofits, and they're like, I just don't trust them, so I'm not going to give my money to them, to which I always say, well, why don't you just walk into their office and ask them to show you where their money goes, and then you'll know whether you can trust them or not, you know? And I will promise you, if you ever do this, they will not be offended. They will be excited. They will. They'll open up their books. They'll show you stuff. Well, here's how we use the money and what we do. We've done that here for 17 years. Now, I've only had it happen twice, but two times people came, come in and said, I want to know where the money goes around here. And I'm like, all right, here you go. Look at it all, you know. See if you have any questions. And the question is always, how, has always been, how do, you, how do you get that done on that amount of money? And I'm like, it's magic or Jesus. I don't know what, what it is. But anyway, it's like, here it is. You know, you can see it. So the thing I would ask you if you're a follower of Jesus is just this. All right, can you be honest enough with yourself if you do not have a habit of generosity? And a lot of you do. A lot of you, you have picked a percentage of your income, and as soon as you get paid, you give it away. You know, you just automated it made it recurring. So you just give it away places, and then you live on the rest. And so you kind of know what I'm talking about here. But for the rest of you who haven't, I know why it's so hard to do. I understand it's hard when you've never done it. But could you be honest enough with yourself to admit, okay, maybe it's not because I actually can't afford it. Maybe it's not because I really don't trust them because I could go ask and I've never checked, you know. Would you be willing to put the habit of generosity into your life and to consistently give a percentage of your income first? So you're going, okay, well, every time I get this money, I'm going to make it about somebody else before I make it about me. If you don't do that, I'll just tell you what's going to happen. Your life's going to go on and be fine. But you're going to be somebody who... Giving is something you do every now and then, but generosity is actually not who you are. And it's hard to follow Jesus and just give sporadically. It's hard to follow Jesus and just give spontaneously because that's certainly not what he did. Now, if you think I'm out to get your money here, it's fine. You give it to a nonprofit. You don't have to give it here. Although I would say, this has always made me chuckle. Like If you don't trust the church you go to enough that you can trust them with your money, you should go find another church. All right? Don't ever go to a church you can't trust, which means there may be three of you here next week. I don't know. But but my point is, seriously, you, you, you should find a church you can trust. If you can't trust them with your money, do not keep going there, okay? Do not keep going there. That's, that's just some free advice. So anyway, what's actually keeping you from doing it? Can you be honest enough with yourself to go, if you're a Jesus follower, to go, okay, I think I'm just making excuses, you know? I think I'm making excuses. The real reason I don't have a habit of consistent generosity is because i I want to be about me before I want to be about others. I want to be about others, but I want to be about me first. Can you just be honest enough with yourself to admit that? Now, with both of these habits, the habit of serving and the habit of consistent giving, here's the challenge. Somebody like me gets up and encourages you to do that, and I'm no different than you, okay? So you think to yourself, but what's the point of that? I mean, my life's good. Well, I don't. I don't think I need to do that. I mean, everything seems to be working fine. What's the benefit? And especially, especially if you come to church here, it's like, um, well, what's the difference if I invest some of my money here and I don't? And the difference is nothing. We're going to treat you the same way. You know, we're going to serve you the same way. We're going to give you the same experience. People have invited me to sell season tickets to church, but I don't think it'd go over very well, right? So you're going you're to get the same experience. So why? Would Jesus model and teach? And then why did the Apostle Paul pass on to Timothy to tell the Ephesian Christians, hey, you should, you should develop a habit of putting other people before yourself with your time and with your money. Have you ever stopped to think about that? Or what's the point? Why, what does Jesus have to gain by doing that? Clearly, he doesn't need our time. And obviously, he does not need our money. So why would he ask us to do something if he doesn't have a self-centered motive for it? Well, Paul actually tells Timothy, make sure those people know that there is a payoff to developing these habits and eventually becoming these kind of people where it's who they are and not just what they do. There's actually a benefit to it. But it's a benefit they may have never been aware of. But this is what motivates Jesus to invite us into a life where we serve and give, serve and give, serve and give consistently. Here's what Paul said. He said, in this way, by doing more and giving more with, what, with our extra, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. We'll talk about that another time. But basically, he's like, you're going to benefit from this for all eternity. Like, there is a payoff for you. It's just not immediate. It's down the road. But here's the part I don't want you to miss. So that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Now, this is hard to understand or hard for me to convince you is true because you have a life, and your life probably feels like a pretty good life. So if you don't know that there's a life that's greater than the life you're living, you'd never be motivated to do anything different to try to experience that life instead of the life you have now. But according to Paul and according to Jesus, as good as your life is right now, you're missing a life that's truly life, when you don't fully follow Jesus and become someone who takes your time and your money and you consistently put others before yourself with them. What in the world could they be talking about? Well, think about the life you have now. It's good. And for most of you, not all of you, because different seasons of life, but, but for a lot of you, you're at a point in life where you can do a lot of things that you once thought you'd never be able to do. And you're enjoying things you once thought you would never have. I mean, life's pretty good. But here's the thing about the life that you and I live and feel like is such a good life. Once you get that thing, once you go on that trip, once you experience that, whatever it is for you, man, it feels good. But it only feels good for a little while, doesn't it? And then it's like, I need another trip. I need another purchase. I need another experience. I need another thing. But Jesus invites us into a life where long-term, the meaning, the significance, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, it doesn't diminish, it actually builds. It's like an investment that exponentially grows. That's what he's referring to when he's talking about a life that's truly life. And I am no different than you, and I am certainly no better than you, but I do feel luckier than a lot of you. And the reason I say that is because from the time I was little, I was very fortunate to be surrounded by people who understood that the choices, the decisions to serve people, others before themselves, and to give consistently and focus on others before themselves, I was surrounded by people who realized those choices, those decisions took them in a direction that led to a better life, to a greater life. And so they modeled that, and they taught that, And it's so much easier to do when you're younger. So when I was younger and just starting out, they're like, this is what you all do. I mean, there's a good life here, but there's actually a better life there. And so I started doing that, and that's what I discovered. And now I'm at a point where I've done it long enough that I know, yeah, yeah, when our family, when we take off and do a trip that we've dreamed about and hoped for for a long time, it is a blast, and we love it. But after a little while, the return on that diminishes. And yeah, 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 we bought things and experienced things that we've hoped for for a long time. And once we had them, we loved it. But over time, you know this, you've experienced it over time, the, the meaning, the fulfillment, the satisfaction from that, it diminishes. And so I've seen that side of it, but I also, just because I didn't know any better and I was taught to do this, have spent enough years with a habit of consistently putting others for myself with my time and my money, I've spent enough years doing that. Then now I look back, and Jen and I, if you ask her, she'll tell you. We, we're like, this never diminishes. As a matter of fact, the further we go, the more meaningful what we've given and the time that we've invested become. We, we've never gotten a few months or a few years down the road and been like, eh, man, I kind of regret we gave that money to that. No, no, it just builds. It just builds. And it allows us to enjoy this, But not get tied up chasing more because that doesn't satisfy. You know this, appetites, they're never fully or finally satisfied. You always want to chase a little more. This just compounds. It just compounds. And so, I don't know what this looks like for you, but if you're missing one of these habits and you consider yourself a Jesus follower, I would just invite you to ask yourself the question, do I actually want to become more like Jesus? And if I do, can I think of a way to do that without putting in a practice of serving like my leader served? A habit of doing it consistently. Can I think of, figure out how to become like Jesus without putting in a habit of generously giving? The challenge is you're not going to experience this life tomorrow if you do that today. You're probably not even going to feel it next week, next month. It takes a while, but over time, your investment here is going to compound to where doing good deeds, being generous and sharing, that's, it's not going to be something you do every now and then. It's going to be who you are, and when it becomes who you are, you find the life that's truly life. So my invitation to you, if you're missing one of these habits, It's to pick one. It's to pick one. Now, every year around this time of year, we have what we call our annual season of generosity. And if you've been around here, you're familiar with it. And we kicked it off last week uh, through our annual four offering. And the thing is, we give as big as we can possibly give. And a lot of you give some time as well as some money. But we give money as big as we can possibly give. And then we give every penny away to nonprofits in our community. And if you're not participating in it, I hope you will, because we don't have a dollar amount. We just have one goal, 100% participation, and we have yet to get there, but one year. I mean, I'm not giving up hope, right? One year we're going to get there, and I do not you give whatever you want to give to it. But we give every penny away, and in a few weeks we're going to show you where it went and some of the impact that it made, okay? So I hope you'll do this. If you haven't participated, open up our app or go to GiveJourney.com. Just choose this fund right here. We'll give it all away. We're off to an incredible start. If you're old school, write you a check. Put it in the giving box right there on your left as you exit the first set of doors. But here's what I want you to know. This is spontaneous. This is sporadic. It's a step. It's a first step. But this is like a one-time, you know, my heart gets, you know, moved a little bit and emotions get tugged on. Matt talked about those kids we're going to help or these families, you know, and what these nonprofits do. So I'm going to ride check or I'm going to go online and make a gift. I mean, this is like a one-time deal. But this isn't a habit. This is a starting point, but if you want to experience a life that's truly life, you got to figure out how to make it a habit, so you move from this is what I do to this is who I am. So if you got a little bit of extra, and that's all of us, and you're a Jesus follower, and you want to be more like him, figure out how to do more and give more, so you can be more like our leader. Let me pray for us. Father, this is so hard to do and I'd be the first to admit everything inside of us pulls in the direction to take care of us before we take care of others and it just doesn't add up. The math doesn't feel like it works when we're like, "Oh, I'm going to put others before me with my time. I'm going to put others before me with my money and I'm going to do it every week. I'm going to do it every month. I'm just going to do it over and over again. It just doesn't seem like it makes sense. But you, Jesus, have invited us To become those kinds of people, the people who love where we live with no strings attached generosity of our time and our money. And you promised us on the other side of it, is a life that's greater than the good life we're already living. And so I guess it comes down to, do we trust you or do we not trust you, that you have something better for us? So would you help us to trust you and most of all, Jesus, thank you for modeling this and thank you for... Thank you for not taking care of yourself first and then helping us with your spare time and money. Thank you for being a savior and a leader who put us before yourself. Help us to love others the way you've loved us. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, if you'd like more content like this, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our Journey app to access all of our recent message content. And our app is the easiest way to share this content with friends. For more information on our church or to find our app or our YouTube channel, just visit JourneyCalway.com. That's JourneyCalway.com. Thanks for listening.